Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. It is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Indianapolis, Indiana here on this Monday. I'm Sean Kelly, and yes, it is Monday, and in a lot of ways, it feels like a Monday. It's kind of a mixed uh, bag of emotions here for Saints and Pelicans fans on this Monday, obviously after the Saints lose to Atlanta yesterday and uh, see their season basically come to a close. There's still this game on this coming Sunday against Tampa Bay, but the Saints eliminated from the playoffs yesterday and losing to the Falcons 30-14, to their fifth straight home loss. And uh, what seemed uh, promising at the start yesterday afternoon uh, did go downhill and unfortunately resulted in that loss. And, uh, you know, there you go. <laughs> it's one of those deals with the Saints and the season and how the game went yesterday that um, I don't know if you throw your hands up, but I understand I understand it's emotional. And uh, Coach Payton used the word stings uh, yesterday after the game. And, yes, there's still a sting here. Even on this Monday morning as we get set to uh, bring you our first edition of the Black and Blue Report for the week. John DeShazer, the senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com, is a part of our show today, and he'll put his thoughts together regarding yesterday's loss and what this week means now as we get ready to wrap up the Saints season here uh, just past the holidays. So that's on our minds today. Otherwise, pretty exciting weekend in the NFL. And as always, Steve Weich from the NFL Network will join us as we get his thoughts on what has transpired. What do we know now with one week left? And we'll also ask Steve today about his thoughts regarding the MVP. We're close enough now to have that conversation. And then, as we mentioned, uh, it's mixed because the Pelicans were big winners last night, taking down the Oklahoma City Thunder at OKC last night, 101-99. to A big night for Anthony Davis, another double-double, highlighted by his 38 points. He also threw in a couple of blocks, and then a double-double last night for Drew Holiday, featuring a career-high tying 15 assists. And with that, the Pelicans are now 14-13 and above the 500 mark, two wins already against Oklahoma City, Back-to-back road wins now, and uh, they'll continue here from Indianapolis with practice today and then a game tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers. And Joel Myers, of course, is with us on the trip. And uh, here from the team hotel, Joel and I will talk about last night's Pelicans game and what lies ahead here for the 
NBA as we get to the big Christmas holiday and those five games on national television on Christmas. You know, when we get to Christmas, a lot of people really start to pay attention. The funny thing is we're about 30 games into the regular season by the time we reach Christmas Day, and uh, so much already has happened, not just for the Pelicans, but for a lot of teams across the league uh, here through November and December. So it's a good show today. Some of the topics won't be so much fun, obviously, after the Saints loss yesterday to the Falcons, but uh, we will soldier on, talk NFL as well, and, of course, focus in on the positives that is uh, that are surrounding, I guess, the Pelicans at the moment. So glad you're with us, and uh, and be glad you are where you are, because unless you're kind of listening up here in the northern part of the country, like we're in Indianapolis today, uh, it's cold, not so much fun weather-wise, but uh, we're getting into the holiday spirit, and we'll uh, take you through this Monday with Steve White from the NFL Network, Joel Myers, and John DeShazer next on the Black and Blue Report. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Friday, December 26th at 7 p.m. when the San Antonio Spurs come to town. The first 5,000 fans receive a free Omer Ashik poster. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the punt at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, appearances by Pierre the Pelican, and a whole lot more. Tickets start as low as $21. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. And as promised, John DeShazer, the senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com, is in Studio B. Sean Kelly here in Indianapolis. And now the conversation in earnest about yesterday's football game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, John, part of me is really surprised and part of me is, is not as far as how yesterday transpired in the next to last game of the season there against the Atlanta Falcons. Well, I guess this will be the black portion of the program, huh? Um, mm-hmm. and literally and figuratively. Yeah, uh, w- when you look at when you look at what what happened yesterday in the Superdome, um, it it unfortunately followed the script that the Saints have had for much of this season. Well, much of the season, all of this season. Uh, they just couldn't quite get it together. Committed turnovers, four didn't force any turnovers. Uh, Drew Brees gets sacked five times. They were herky-jerky on offense, couldn't get it moving. Uh, got some defensive stops, but n- you know not enough. But actually, the defense probably played well enough to win if you're thinking it's going to be a shootout. And uh, really just had some, some difficult circumstances, a fumble at the goal line, uh, 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 an interception in your own territory, uh, a fumble that's returned for, for six you know, down at the end on the last play of the game. But a lot of those were problems that have plagued the Saints this entire season. The, the turnovers followed this team from game one to game 15, and it ended up you know, biting them in the behind. Um, the penalties uh, ended up biting, uh, and they've been a problem all season. Uh, the fact that Drew Brees was harried you know, in several games came back a- again, and, and it bit them. The, the Falcons had 16 sacks last in the league coming into the game, and somehow they managed to get five against Breeze on, on Sunday. So, you know, the things that have plagued this team all season were the things that plagued them again yesterday. So, yeah, from that standpoint, I guess 
you know, it wasn't a huge surprise because we've seen these problems crop up before. Every time you think the Saints have them fixed or every time you thought that they'd be able to build a, mo- a little bit of momentum or ride the momentum that they had, uh, the same old problems cropped up and, and reared their heads again, and that's what happened yesterday. You know, the, the strange thing is the game didn't start that way. You and I have been talking since training camp with as much time as the Saints put into their special teams preparation that they're going to break one at some point. You kept saying that over and over again during the season. And I'm, I'm sitting in my hotel room in Oklahoma City watching the game yesterday, and that opening kickoff is returned all the way to the Atlanta 1, and I'm thinking of you, and I'm, I'm thinking John's probably jumping up and down in the press box because he finally got his one to break through. I just It just seemed like everything started correctly, and how, and, and how strange it was to see it turn around, or at least, I guess, settle in to a different type of ball game so quickly. Well, it was almost like the Saints uh, stole a possession. I mean, you get the opening kickoff, you return at 99 yards. Jalen Saunders, who's been a, a find on special teams, unfortunately wasn't able to get that last yard. But then they punch it in on the very next play, the first offensive play marking, and runs in from a yard out. It's a 7-0 score with, with 20, sec- 20 seconds into the game. And so you feel like, okay, the Saints needed a fast start. They needed to get the crowd into it. They got everything they possibly could have wanted out of that possession and then Atlanta comes out and if I'm not mistaken they force a punt from the Falcons and so you feel like okay here it here it goes here it comes and uh and they just could not or excuse me the Falcons came back with a field goal so, to make it seven and three but still all the all the momentum's on the Saints side and you feel like okay this thing could really snowball in the Saints direction and unfortunately they just couldn't get it going after that initial possession after that initial kickoff return and um, I don't know what the Falcons, you know, cooked up defensively, but whatever it was, man, they cooked it up and they and they really served it up in the Superdome yesterday. Uh, they were able to take advantage of, and get to Drew Brees a couple of times, and and certainly they were going to probably apply more pressure to the left side of the Saints' offensive line because Teron Armstead was inactive yesterday, the left tackle. He was replaced by Bryce Harris, and even though Bryce Harris has played well in 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 relief of Teron Armstead you still have a guy who's out there as a number two uh, left tackle. And, and there's a reason he's a number two, and there's a reason anybody's a backup, you know, because he isn't as good as the starter. So, you know, they'll apply a little pressure off that side. And sometimes they just whip the Saints flat out up front. You know, there's no secret. Sometimes man-to-man, they beat their guy. And, and a lot of times when you're able to affect the quarterback and the Saints weren't able to do that, Matt Ryan completed 30 of 40 passes yesterday without being sacked. If you're able to have your – if your quarterback is affected – and you can't affect the opposing quarterback, a lot of times that's going to tell all the story you need to know about a game. Yeah, Sean Payton said after the game uh, very much the similar thing. They affected the quarterback more than we did. John, it just felt like if the Saints could put together one good drive there in the first half beyond the opening score, obviously, um, this game is totally different. But, man, I mean, the clamps came down uh, immediately. I, I, I want to say that the Saints had less than 100 yards total offense in the first half of my – Am I wrong in thinking that? My friend, they had less than 100, and it was close to the end of the third quarter. I mean, it was it was that kind of way offensively until they finally got an offensive drive going right there at the end of the third quarter that, you know, and, and end up driving to, the to I think, uh, the 14. And then the first play of the fourth quarter is when Drew Brees makes the pass to Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham, unfortunately, uh, fumbles at the goal line, and Atlanta recovers and returns to the 20. But – you know, until then, they had been able to get nothing going offensively. I mean, nothing at all. Nothing in the run game, nothing in the passing game. And, again, they were, ha- they were harassing Drew Brees pretty good. So, 
you know, it was you you kept waiting for the big play. You kept waiting for something to happen and it never materialized until until a little bit later. John, if I'd have told you during the preseason that the Saints would lose their last five games in a row at home, you probably would have laughed me right out of the room, wouldn't you? Dude, I'd have lost my house, your house, and a couple other houses. I, I mean, you bet the house on that. The way the Saints had played at the Superdome, you you didn't think they were invincible, uh, but you did know that they hadn't lost with, with Sean Payton as head coach standing over on that sideline, and they ran the streak to 20 games earlier in, in the season. And so you figure, okay, there's a tough stretch of games coming up at the Dome, okay? The, the really good opponents, Baltimore and Cincinnati and San Francisco and, 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 and Carolina and Atlanta division opponents. But you still figure, okay, the Saints are at home. They're going to take care of business because they always do. And, and sometimes, you know what? You know, Zach Street kept saying, you know, you get what you deserve and you get what you deserve. And, and certainly the Saints didn't play well enough to deserve a win against any of those teams. And, and, it, and it shows up on the scoreboard. I mean, in all those games, they commit big turnovers. Uh, they commit big penalties. Um, the quarterback, you know, their quarterback, Drew Brees, is harassed. Uh, they aren't able to get to the opposing quarterback or they aren't able to stop the run or something, you know, of that nature. So, you know, again, you can't paraphrase it better than what Streve said. You know, you get what you deserve, and unfortunately, they got what they deserved. Eliminated now from the playoffs, but yet a game to go at Tampa Bay. What will this week be like for the Saints, John? Well, I mean, you learned a little bit about professionalism. Now, these guys have talked about professionalism in the locker room a lot lately, and, and certainly in defeat, they're basically saying, you know, hey, this has got to be a team that's got to be mature. So how do you handle, you know, what has transpired? You don't really have anything to play for other than, you know, professional pride and, and those kinds of things. Can you rally the troops and play against an opponent that, you know, you don't want to, you know, you're not playing for anything division-wise. You're on the road. Uh, there's really nothing to be gained from it other than to be able to say you're 7-9 and nine and you finished out with a win. But is that going to be enough? You know, do you want to just finish out with a good taste in your mouth so you'll find out something about the Saints? And, you know, you've seen a lot of teams in these situations just kind of, you know, roll out the balls and say, hey, we're at the end of the season. I don't think the Saints will approach it that way. Certainly you don't expect Drew Brees and, and these veterans on this team to approach it that way. Uh, Zach Street was saying yesterday that, look, you know, you got something to play for. People, you know, jobs are on the line. You're 6-9. and nine. Everybody's job is on the line. Nobody should feel secure during a 6-9 and nine season. So hopefully the Saints will be able to muster up some urgency before they go down to Tampa. Yeah, well said. Hey, John, I guess the – the thing is this, um, you know, I think probably the Saints uh, – well, the question is now, where do, where do the Saints go from here? And, and guess what I'm getting at is it's been five years since the Super Bowl win, and I think in a lot of ways you've been able to, to build upon the equity gained in the Super Bowl win and keep momentum going, albeit with the hiccup of two seasons ago. But you've been able to, I guess, continue to maintain some momentum from that and keep something going. Are the Saints now at a point where – it's start all over time, and and what do we mean by that? I guess. Well, I mean, I I don't you don't tear down the foundation or anything because I mean, as long as Drew Brees is playing, you know, the Saints are going to feel like they have a chance, and uh, you know, even though you you add up the critical mistakes, the turnovers that you know he had this season, still numbers wise, he still has a pretty outstanding season. So you know, you've got to be able to, and it's hard to you know, where do you find the quarterback? You know, do you get do you draft a guy, and 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 how long does that guy take to develop? And those kinds of things. So the Saints offense is still pretty, you know, numbers wise, pretty efficient, pretty stout. So, you know, but there obviously have to be additions made and subtractions made 
And, you know, now where do you do that? You know, do you go for, you know, do you do you add to the receiver core? You know, because, you know, you have to say that, you know, in all honesty, you know, Robert Meacham and, and Marcus Colston have gotten a little long in the tooth. So, you know, what do you do at that position? You know, what do you do along the offensive line where, you know, you have two two guards who are fairly expensive and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, maybe there's been some slippage in their play or or maybe they need to raise their level of play. And can they can they raise their level of play at their ages? You know, what do you do? At, you know, maybe, you know, along the defensive line and certainly in the secondary, you know, those are areas that have to be addressed and they have to be addressed in the offseason with a team that has been able to generally address their concerns. And some, but some of it simply is, you know, the Saints didn't play well enough now. And you hear Coach Payton all the time saying, you know, okay, we got to assess, you know, what we're asking players to do and who we're asking to do it. You know, okay, well, if the who you're asking to do it doesn't measure up to what you're asking them to do, then you got to find some different who's. And the who's that you have probably might not be on the roster. So, you know, what can they do in free agency in the draft to address it and to get the who's they want to do what they're asking? John DeShazer with us, senior writer from NewOrleansSaints.com. It'll be an interesting week. Uh, I, I want to watch this this week as much as I do any other based upon the things that you said, J.D., and then, of course, there's uh, plenty to talk about coming up in the offseason as the Saints fall to the Falcons yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome by the score of 30-14. to 14. Merry Christmas, John DeShazer. I uh, will miss you the remainder of this Pelicans road trip, and I look forward to seeing you in the coming weekend. Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. It would have been a heck of a lot merrier with a win and going down to Tampa with a chance to win the uh, division title, but uh, you know, at least we can lean back and say, you know, see uh, and, and bask in what the Pels were able to do in OKC last night. That was a nice, nice, nice win. And so, um, yeah, it could have been a little bit merrier, but you know what? In, in all honesty, you know, if you got your health, you got everything, right? No doubt. No doubt. You're right about that. Thanks again for joining us on a Monday, J.D., and uh, I'll see you on Friday when the Pelicans take on the San Antonio Spurs. All right, Mr. Kelly. Steve White from the NFL Network uh, will continue our football conversation in just a moment. A little bit later, we'll talk about the Pelicans and all things NBA with Joel Myers. Stay with us. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana with more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region. Even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. We're rolling. <laughs> All right, welcome back to our show as we originate from Indianapolis today where the Pelicans will take on the Pacers tomorrow night. Obviously, we've got connections down in New Orleans uh, going as well. And, uh, and unfortunately, we've already talked a little bit about the uh, Saints and the Falcons yesterday, but there was so much that went on in the NFL. And kind enough to join us again on Monday is Steve White from the NFL Network. He joins us from Los Angeles. Steve, um, I... I, I I don't really want to talk any more Saints-Falcons, if you don't mind. Oh, that's a shame, um, because I could. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, fair enough. Um, you know, 
Atlanta plays their best game of the season defensively yesterday, and I guess um, what we knew about the Saints is is what we know, uh, especially after watching that game unfold yesterday. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Saints, five straight in the Superdome. I mean, come on, who, who envisions that? I saw a Falcons team that came down there determined, not intimidated, and wanting it. I saw a Saints team second-guessing themselves, not pushing back, so to speak. Now, I know you had the controversial uh, fumble touchdown with Jimmy Graham, and I, I personally thought it was a touchdown looking at the video replays. But then I'm watching Drew Brees get harassed like I haven't seen him get harassed in the longest. I'm seeing bad throws from him. I'm seeing Saints receivers catch balls and, fall, and just drop down. That was the thing that, that stunned me. There was seemingly no desire for that yard after catch to get those extra yards, to, to make something happen, for somebody to step up and, and be a playmaker. And that's what really stunned me about that game. On both sides of the ball for Falcons, you just saw the, everybody trying to make plays. And I didn't see that for New Orleans. And, and, uh, and that's why I think the Falcons just seemed far more determined and, and eager to get that win. Yeah, and they may go on and win the division now. That, that thing's still up in the air and won't be determined until next week. And, and Steve, you know, one more thing about the, the conversation here is that, you know, you saw the Saints at the Greenbrier. We talked, we've been talking since early August at this point. And to go from a team that a lot of people had on their Super Bowl radar to now being eliminated from the playoffs, are the Saints one of the bigger surprises, not in a good way, but one of the bigger surprises in the NFL this season? Might be the biggest. Yeah. Might be the biggest. I mean, you just, you know, they, they've had injuries, but I mean, again, Arizona has thrown the injury excuse completely, you know, you, you can't use it. <laughs> I mean, the, the stuff they've been able to do in that division with the injuries, they just haven't looked, you know, like a determined football team. And it's just so surprising the defense. You know, I think a lot of us thought the defense was going to be what it was last year. And of course, we, we've seen. How, how bad that is, and, the, and that's the linchpin of the demise. But I think, you know, they, they're not playing well consistently, rolled over to the offense, and it's just been, you know, I, I'm, I'm stunned by what happened to the Saints this season. That doesn't mean they can't turn it around quickly next year, especially as long as you got that quarterback. But we all know there's going to be some changes in place. Saints and Falcons aside, there's a lot to choose from, but what were your biggest takeaways from the NFL weekend? Which storylines – impact us all the most well uh you know dallas showing up and playing like it really won it really wants to get to the super bowl i mean they took apart a colts team that once it got punched in the mouth kind of laid down but i mean demarco murray playing through the injury the i mean i i thought you know they were fantastic pittsburgh showing up and really trying to capture that playoff spot and then the ravens i mean they knew what was on the line and they just got taken apart by the Texans. So now they're on the outside looking in. Well, I, they're on the outside. You know, yeah. a lot has to happen for, for them to get in. And I was also at the Chargers 49ers game. And just what an incredible game with San Francisco getting the big lead. And San Diego, who you talk about a team that's decimated by injuries. Phil Rivers hasn't played with his fifth center. Them coming back and winning that game in overtime. Um, and they're firmly in the playoff picture now. They win next week. Kansas City, they're in. Um, I think those are some of the, the really kind of moving storylines for the weekend. This is what the NFL wanted, Steve Weich. They wanted us to have such juicy things to talk about in the last two weeks of the regular season. It's worked again. 
it's worked again. Look at the NFC. You've got five teams right now that are eleven and what eleven and five, eleven and four going into the final weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how how fantastic is is that? You've got playoff positions where you've got you know a Packers team that can be one of the top you know one of the top two seeds or a Lions team to be one of the top two seeds to drop to five or six. So it's 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 all set up you know fantastically, and as crazy as the NFC style situation is, the intrigue is there. And frankly, you know, if Arizona is now a wild card team with its quarterback situation, its injury situation, you would have to give either Carolina or Atlanta a chance playing at home against a team like that. So absolutely. It's, it's absolutely stirring. It's absolutely stirring, and, that, and that's why this league thrives. And ESPN must be thrilled about Monday Night Football tonight. Bengals and Broncos has meaning, too. It has a ton of meaning. I mean, yeah. you know, Denver wins. Denver wins. You know, they, they get a bye. Uh, we have to see what happens with, with New England and Denver next week to see who gets the top seed. But if, if Denver wins and Cincinnati loses, the Bengals right now are in such a dangerous situation. They have pretty much led the division all year. They could be out of the playoffs. They lose tonight. Pittsburgh takes the division lead. They play the Steelers next week in Pittsburgh in prime time, and we know the Bengals are awful in prime time. Pittsburgh wins that game. Pittsburgh wins the division. A team like San Diego, maybe the Ravens, whatever, they move up into the wild card spot, and Cincinnati could be out. So, it, again, the, the intrigue of, of that as well um, is, is, is sensational. It's outstanding. All right, speaking of intrigue, two things off the field. One, where is Jim Harbaugh next season, Steve Weich? You know, everything you're, you're kind of getting the feel and kind of the simmering tempest is he's going right across the bay to Oakland. Now, hmm. does Oakland, can, can it afford to pay him $8 million a year? Um, does San Francisco, are they able to work out a trade for him? It would seem awkward trading him right across the bay where he could get a young quarterback like Derek Carr and maybe turn that team around quickly. You know, and again, does Oakland have to have the money not only to pay him, but you know, it's, you're you're probably going to have to blow out a lot of your personnel staff, a lot of your coaching staff, you know, to to pay everybody. I know all the Raiders coaches are on the one year deals, but there's still probably um, some some residual income they have to pay. How how cash um, rich are the Raiders if they're going to make a move? And if, and if that doesn't happen, you know, all bets are off. I mean, I think Chicago could possibly be a spot. Um, but again, the, the upheaval of what you might have to do to your front office and coaching staff, to me, could be a deterrent from some NFL teams pursuing a guy who's, who's been a pretty darn good coach since he's been in the league. So he stays in pro football? I think so, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. I, hmm. I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I do think, and I heard this on talk radio this morning, I believe on Colin Coward, where you know, if you really wanted the Michigan job, they might not be putting it so much out there in public. That's something that could be could get done discreetly. So the fact that it's out there and, and being waved around so much, it still seems like a legitimate possibility. I, I will say this: I was speaking to someone in San Francisco this weekend who said that, you know, the feelings you know with Harbaugh and, and the, the front office aren't just from the front office. Jim Harbaugh's got some bitter feelings as well, and he might not want to make it easy for them to trade him. And the best way to do that is to go to Michigan, where he gets paid type of money he believes he deserves to get paid all right fair enough and while we're uh, staying on the intrigue theme here with our visit this monday steve weich uh steve who wins the mvp in the nfl i gotta tell you i think jj watts the leader in the back <laughs> right now i know a couple weeks ago aaron Rodgers was the leader um 
but it's you know I, I think JJ Watt the stuff he keeps doing the fact Aaron Rodgers is is has not been dynamic the past two weeks. I think some dark horses who are going to sleep you know kind of sneak in there for, in the conversation are Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. Tony Romo, do I dare bring that name up? No, I I, I think that's fair. I, yeah. I think that's absolutely fair to put him in there. Um, he's been fantastic. We know the injuries had to play through. I, I think he's very deserving of the consideration. Does the only thing that keep J.J. Watt winning the MVP is it the fact that he played for the Texans or that he's a defender? Which one? I, I think, wow, that's a great question. Um, if the Texans win next week, and they, you know, because they're, they're on the outside looking in, but they're still in playoff contention, I think the fact that he does play for them and they've had the quarterback situations that they've had and they still be able to finish with a winning record uh, helps them. So I think the fact that it's a defender, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers could have the splashy stats. He does play for a nationally recognized organization uh, would help him. But I, I just think it's going to be hard now not, not for, for not to be J.J. Watt. I'd like to see it. I would. And if you have a vote, allow me to sway you toward J.J. Watt there, Steve. I don't have a boat, but I'm already swayed. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> My friend, happy holidays. As always, we're very thankful to have you on Monday. Enjoy not only the game tonight, but what will be a, uh, a fantastic finish to the regular season here in the NFL. Same to you. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Steve Weich with us here on the NFL Network. We'll turn our attention to Hoops and Joel Myers next. Football fans, travel to Shreveport, Bossier City on Saturday, December 27th and attend the 39th annual Duck Commander Independence Bowl. One of the oldest bowl games in the country, this year's matchup features the Miami Hurricanes taking on the Gamecocks of South Carolina. While in town, enjoy great gaming action, shopping, food, and nightlife. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Okay, Beth, our holiday party is almost here. You're bringing the cheese plate and meat tray, right? Check. Should be a great party. Party. Party favors. I knew I was missing something. Did someone say party favors? Patty, the party planner. How about a party favor that really pays off? Look at these holiday scratch-offs from the lottery. Pick up Happy Holidays, Peppermint Doubler, and Holiday $100,000 Party. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Fantastic party favors. You can scratch off your list. The Pelicans will practice today here in Indianapolis and then finish the road trip against the Pacers tomorrow. Now 14-13 after a big win last night in Oklahoma City. Perfect chance here on a chilly and uh, overcast Monday in Indy to visit with the television voice of the Pelicans from Fox Sports New Orleans. Joel Myers returning to the Black and Blue Report. Coffee is in hand, my friend, and probably still a good feeling from last night, a win at Oklahoma City. Uh, I celebrated with Steak and Shake, and that's the way it happens here in Indianapolis because I don't see it very often on the road. So growing up in St. Louis with about 50 Steak and Shakes, within 15 or 20 minutes of you, Steak and Shake to celebrate the win, it was huge. I don't care if Durant's there. I don't care what the schedule says. Uh, it was big, and it's already a split of the season series with Oklahoma City for down-the-road purposes and a little bit of everything from a number of guys. But... Uh, when you look at it offensively, AD was there, and then defensively, Drew Holiday for the second time this year stayed in front of the alpha dog, Russell Westbrook, and you know how difficult that is to do. Oh, my goodness, no doubt. And and Westbrook, I think, went 0 for 5 down the stretch last night. I think a lot of that had to do with what you said, on-the-ball defense. Yeah, Drew can move his feet. And if in fact, I think I said to my partner, David Wesley, maybe – 
from now on the Pelicans should face only UCLA guards because Drew gets up for it. You can tell he, he accepts and he wants that challenge. So uh, Russell Westbrook last night, 10 for 27. And then I'm told that he got upset after the game when they asked him about uh, his lack of assist and his shot selection. And I think he cut off the interview afterwards a little bit late last night that he wasn't real happy with the line of questioning. But Drew Holiday stayed in front of him. And then all the other guys that came through as well, the little things that your coaching staff has to love. So that's, that's huge. And right after the worst game of the year, by far their worst game of the year, where you, you're going to, in an 82-game season, you and I both know you're going to lay an egg or two. And you're going to have one of those nights. You hope it's not at home in front of a good crowd like we had at the Smoothie King Center on Saturday. And that, that's the tough part about it all. So got to have everybody back downtown. Saturday or, or next week when we get back home, it's uh, the San Antonio Spurs. And that's, this, key, this team is still the fourth youngest team in the NBA. A lot of people lose the fact that John Salmons is there and a couple of other older guys have come in. But it's still the fourth youngest team of the NBA. And the key components... You could say they're the youngest team in the league for the guys that they put on the floor. Yeah, no doubt. I think I think you hit it on the head there. I think we've seen the best of the worst of the Pelicans in one back-to-back over the weekend with that loss against Portland and the win against Oklahoma City. Is that it for this team right now? Is it consistency? Have they not won three in a row yet because of that or because they've played the toughest schedule thus far in the NBA? Well, it's a combination, and you know that you look at this team and – and finding out, as Monty is finding out, who he can count on in matchups. And every night is different matchup-wise. You know, with the went two or three games, now it's a Jensa. So you're finding different guys, different matchups. And, and what they need is a winning streak. And you said three in a row. Well, even if it's not a ton in a row, then eight of 11 or 10 of 13 or 14, just so they get on the right side of 500. They get a little breathing room because after the first of the year, then they're going to see some Eastern Conference teams. Then they have an opportunity to put five or six in a row. But when you look at it the next two weeks still, all the way until the end of the first week of January with San Antonio and with some of the teams that the Pelicans are going to see, it's a monster schedule. It's been a very difficult schedule, a real herky-jerky kind of schedule, and an unusual one still coming where you play San Antonio, but you get on a plane again, and then you go to Chicago. So it's not easy. There's never an easy night in the NBA, but it gets a little bit better after the first week of January. Tell me about Indiana tomorrow because, Joel, you do work with Sirius XM Radio, their NBA channel, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, and so you may be more in tune with the Pacers have been doing than, say, I have or other fans because all of a sudden now Indiana has disappeared from the national scene with regard to the NBA. What should we know about tomorrow night's game? Well, they lost their best player. Uh, and they're very similar to what happened to the Pels last year. So they lose Paul George for the season. Then everybody in New Orleans knows about David West and what he brings. David West is gone. George Hill is gone. You can go down the list. They are truly what happened to the Pels last year. When the Pelicans lost all those key components, they have no continuity. Uh, it's amazing some of the wins they've had and some of the tough losses just uh, – in Denver, over the weekend to lose by three points at Denver, it tells you how hard they are playing for Frank Vogel. He's a really good coach, by the way. I watch a lot on League Pass. They stay in almost every game. It's not going to be easy, and they're going to grind you. They don't want to play a, a, a push-it-up-and-down-the-floor game. They're going to want to slug it out. They want to put you in quicksand and mud, and that's why even in Denver, what was it, 79, 76, something like that, 76, 73, 
that sounds like a high school or a college game. That doesn't sound like an NBA game. So they're maximizing what they have. Seen Donald Sloan. Donald Sloan's playing a breakthrough year for them. But uh, they're getting the most out of what they have to offer. It's unfortunate, though, when a team is that decimated by injuries. No doubt. Pelicans and Pacers tomorrow, by the way, at 6 Central, uh, Joel and David on television. And I'll have the call on the radio tomorrow night. Christmas Day is a big day in the NBA. I always giggle a little bit that there are so many folks that kind of almost see Christmas Day as the unofficial open to the NBA season. It's a smack in the face to what we've seen over the first two months. What a start to this NBA season. And Christmas Day will be fun, but by no means should people now just now be getting involved. Well, actually, by the time we get to Christmas Day, you have a pretty good idea of who are the contenders, pretenders, and the teams that are vying for positionings in in those conferences as they try to get better. And all of a sudden, these are the teams to look out for over the last 50 games of the season because once you get to Christmas Day, it's about 30 games into the season. And that's the day of the NBA anyway. That's the day we are all on a pedestal. The NFL has Thanksgiving Day. That's their day. And we can go down the list of what the other, what other days are for sports. But Christmas Day for the NBA with five games is a lot of fun for all of us. It, it has grown so much. The NBA now is the second most popular sport in America. It's funny how we all grew up with baseball. Well, baseball is now regionalized and it's local. Mm -hmm. And the NFL is the zillion pound gorilla. The NBA isn't far behind. The NBA had more viewers than the World Series for the NBA Finals. It has all changed over the last couple of decades. So, And the NBA, as you and I both know, is the only sport that we've been able to export. And now it's the globalization of the NBA is amazing. So by the time we get to Christmas, we have a pretty good idea. It's almost like horse racing. You have an idea of what you're, the, who's true to form right. and who can match up with who. So 30 games into the season, by the time we get to Christmas Day, I think it's phenomenal what has happened to the NBA. I really do. And now the sport has taken off. It's amazing, the ascent of the NBA. I know you well enough to know that you're going to watch all five on Thursday. If by, but if by some sick-minded fashion I had to come to you and say, Joel, you only get to watch one of the five on Thursday, which one are you going to pick? Uh, it's like your children. You don't say who's my, who's my uh, you know, my, who do you like better? I, I'll start in the morning with the first game of the day and go all the way through. And I'm fortunate that my wife, Carol, likes the league like I like the league because on my off nights when there's 10 or 12 in the league pass, I see a little bit of every game, if not a lot of every game, DVR them. So, no, it, it's a great day for us because we know where we're going to be. Last thought here, um, as we turn toward the end of this road trip and, and, and now what Anthony Davis did to Oklahoma City last night, um, I was talking with oh, a couple people about this the other day, actually one of our assistant coaches, and it's getting to the point now where I can't wait to see Anthony Davis play, I can't wait to see what he's going to do next, but yet – I don't know if I can truly appreciate what kind of a player he's becoming until almost every night at the end, usually you and I are on the plane going through the stat pack and everything else, and I look at this line and I'll go, holy cow, he had 30, you know, 31 in this, or like last night, uh, let's throw in three blocks and double-digit rebounds and 38 points. I, I don't want to get lost in it at the same time. Well, you mean the way he fills up the box so naturally in the flow of the contest, so that he doesn't chase shots, he doesn't force things, and he still his teammates still need to find him in his sweet spots. He had a couple of jump hooks last night. I don't even know if I'd call them hooks because of the little turnarounds for him, but 
when he starts to go big to big off the block and, and little things they can do with him, and they're not forcing it either, which is good. Everybody's involved and everybody's getting touches. That's why there were 33 assists last night for this team. Uh, it's going to be amazing what he can do for this franchise, the way he can change this franchise. You know, we talk about Tim Duncan, but eight years ago, Drew Brees came to New Orleans. And look at the way everything has changed for the Saints, the perception, the image, and the way the city has taken off. Everybody loved football to begin with, but you know, all of a sudden, the Saints became more than just a regional team. They became very nationally, people fell in love with the Saints as well. Well, that's going to happen with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is gonna take this franchise to the next level nationally, internationally, and it's only the beginning for him. So once he finds, and his teammates find, because I think he and Drew are starting to develop that chemistry. Tyreek last night made some phenomenal passes. Once they find out where he likes it, because right now he's catching it far away from the basket yep. frequently. Yep. He's 18 to 20 feet away from the basket. Once they set him up and he gets those little eight and 10 foot jump hooks, because he can rise over anybody. I don't care if it's Ibaka or whoever it might be. He's that gifted. Uh, it's just the start and the start of something great for all of us. Yeah, he doesn't, have, he doesn't even have that go-to move yet. What do you think that's going to be, by the way? I think it's going to be one of those catches right on either side of the paint okay. where he can rise over anyone, gather, get comfortable, and take that little 8-10 footer. Because I said that when he went and spun and just turned, when he caught it, pivoted, went up, I said to David on the air last night, I said, that is his go-to move down the road. And David agreed. We both think once he catches it and he's within 8 or 10 feet and he's in that position, either side of the paint, doesn't make any difference. And he's going to, he's going to be a first-team All-NBA performer for many years to come. That's Joel Myers, the television voice of the Pelicans from Fox Sports New Orleans, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Happy holidays. You too. Happy NBA this week. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a wild week for all of us. And then after this one, we get a couple of days off to get ready for San Antonio. And San Antonio back-to-back, -back, if I'm not mistaken, and then Chicago. Yep. So uh, it doesn't get any easier, and that's why I say if the Pels can just stay a little bit above the break-even point till the first, like about the first 10 days of January, then you'll look at the schedule then there's the opportunity to take off. We're all in agreement on that, that's for sure. Sure is fun to watch, and again, it's the Pelicans and Pacers tomorrow night, and we'll continue here from Indianapolis here on the Black and Blue Report right after this. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes, and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Big thanks today to our guest on the Black and Blue Report, Steve White from the NFL Network, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com, and Joel Myers from Fox Sports New Orleans. Thanks to you as well for being a part of our Monday 
We hope that you uh, enjoyed our podcast today. Daniel Salerson will be your host tomorrow for the Black and Blue Report. It will be our last show of the week before we take a bit of a holiday break. The Black and Blue Report is no appointment radio. It's always yours on weekdays, afternoon central, on iTunes, of course, pelicans.com, neworleansaints.com, and your Saints and Pelicans mobile apps. For Fred Rucker, who helps us out today from Studio B in New Orleans, I'm Sean Kelly in Indianapolis with the Pelicans saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 1 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.